This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Gemma Donahue? First, I'll look at the background of this case, move to the timeline of the crime, then offer my analysis. Gemma Donahue was born in Berlin, Germany on October 24, 1985. Her father was in the military. She was the youngest of three children. Her family moved frequently when she was young, which limited her ability to form friendships. She described her family as close, like they only had each other to rely on. Gemma said that she did not get away with a lot when she was young. Her parents were strict. The family moved to Mississippi in 1990 and eventually settled in Missouri. Gemma was homeschooled from the second grade to the sixth grade. When she was finally enrolled in public school, she realized that homeschooling had restricted important socialization opportunities. Her classmates were more sophisticated and worldly. In 1998, 13-year-old Gemma was the victim of an assault of a sexual nature. The perpetrator was 21 years old. She asked her mother, who was named Margaret, not to report the crime to the police, but Margaret reported it anyway. The police were not really excited about pursuing the case, but Margaret insisted. The perpetrator was eventually convicted and sentenced to 120 days in prison. People in the community found out the details of the crime which resulted in Gemma being bullied. She ended up leaving the school district that she had been in. Gemma once again felt isolated as Margaret became highly protective and restricted her contact with friends. At the age of 16, Gemma became pregnant. She had a son named Benjamin. Three years later, she had a daughter named Carmela. In 2007, Gemma and her two children moved to Warrensburg, Missouri. Gemma met a man named Javon Donahue through a mutual friend. He was in prison for manufacturing and distributing illegal substances. Gemma allowed him to use her address so he could get released from prison, like the authorities wanted him to have a place to live before letting him go. This is referred to as a home plan. In the case of Javon, calling it a continued criminal plan would have been more accurate. Gemma and Javon started having a romantic relationship. She believed that he was rehabilitated. Javon would watch Gemma's children as she attended classes at the University 
of central Missouri. After being together for four months, the police told Gemma that her boyfriend was a well-known crack cocaine dealer. She told Javon to leave, but he choked her and told her the only way they would not be together is if he killed her. Gemma remained in the relationship. In 2011, the couple married and moved to Pennsylvania. Javon continued to attack Gemma on a regular basis. She left him in 2016 and moved into her parents' home in Knob Noster, Missouri. This is about an hour east of Kansas City, Missouri. Javon moved to Missouri as well and convinced Gemma to continue their romance. He became involved in drugs again, and the violence escalated. Javon told Gemma that he had nothing to lose. He would kill her and her children if necessary. At least this is what Gemma was saying. Gemma obtained a temporary restraining order in March of 2017. Now moving to the timeline of the crime. On April 14, 2017, Gemma was alone in her parents' house. Here is her story about what happened next. Gemma walked downstairs and discovered Javon standing in the family room. He grabbed her by the neck and dragged her upstairs. He locked the doors and windows and went downstairs. Gemma joined him in the basement after he called her name. She walked into a basement bedroom and saw that he was holding a 22 caliber pistol. Javon pointed the weapon at her and pulled the trigger, but the gun malfunctioned. He hit Gemma on the head with the gun and lost his grip on it. After the gun fell to the ground, Gemma picked it up and pointed it at Javon. She told him to leave the house. Instead of leaving, Javon stepped toward Gemma. At this point, she discharged the weapon. Javon was struck in the left shoulder. He grabbed Gemma by the wrists and threw her around the room. Gemma pulled the trigger two more times as he was throwing her around. She made it sound as though these were involuntary, like she pulled the trigger because of his movements. These two shots struck Javon as well. Javon landed on top of Gemma and told her that they would die together. He placed his head up against Gemma's head and pointed the gun at his left ear. Gemma grabbed the grip of the pistol and pulled the trigger. Javon was shot in the head and died as a result. Gemma crawled out from under his dead body right as her mother, Margaret, was arriving home. Gemma encountered Margaret outside and told her that Javon was dead. Gemma called 911, but then disconnected the call. The operator called back, and Margaret answered the phone. Gemma was waving her hands and shaking her head no, as if she did not want Margaret to inform the police about what happened. Margaret told the operator that the call was a mistake. The operator told Margaret that the police would have to visit the house anyway. Margaret and Gemma waited outside about 45 minutes for the police to arrive, but they never showed up. Margaret felt as though this was a turning point. She said to herself, we can get away with this. Margaret helped Gemma wrap the body in a tarp, remove it from the house, and clean the scene of the shooting. Gemma gave a friend of hers named Ricky Armstrong $400 to rent equipment to bury the body on a property that was less than 20 miles away from where she lived. The disposal site, which was near Warrensburg, was well known for drug use. It was informally referred to as the farm. On April 22, 2017, the police started looking for Javon. They had received an anonymous tip indicating that Gemma shot and killed him and his body was buried at the farm. 
By interviewing people who lived on the farm, the police learned where Javon's body was buried, and they were told about Margaret's involvement. The police interviewed Margaret, and she promptly confessed. She was eventually convicted of abandonment of a corpse. She would later serve 30 days in jail. Gemma was arrested, and she confessed to killing Javon. She was charged with a number of offenses, including murder. She pleaded not guilty to all the charges. Gemma's defense was that she had battered woman syndrome. She was convicted of voluntary manslaughter, armed criminal action, unlawful use of a weapon, tampering with evidence, and abandonment of a corpse. Gemma was sentenced to 10 years in prison on January 29, 2019. She will be eligible for parole in 2024. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland news producer. And I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mahalovic. And now each week, I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today, wherever you get your favorite shows. Now moving to my analysis. Some people are not happy with the verdict in this case. They believe that Gemma should have been convicted of murder. Others believe that even voluntary manslaughter is too severe. Gemma was innocent. She acted in self-defense. Let's take a look at the arguments both for and against the idea that Gemma was guilty of murder, starting with the inculpatory factors. Gemma's story about how the shooting took place does not make any sense. There are just too many questions that don't have good answers. Her story contains a series of unlikely events. Javon mysteriously showed up at her mother's residence and attacked her. How did he make entry into the house? After attacking her and dragging her upstairs, he went down to the basement and called for her. She walked down to where he was. Why didn't she simply run out of the house or call for help? Javon pointed a gun at her and pulled the trigger, but the gun malfunctioned. After striking her in the head with the gun, he dropped the pistol. She was able to pick it up and point it at him. Why was there now more distance between them? In one moment, Javon was striking Gemma in the head with the pistol. In the next moment, he was a few feet away again. Did he back up after dropping the gun? When Javon lunged toward Jenna, she pulled the trigger. And now, perhaps magically, the pistol discharged. How did the malfunction get resolved? Was it resolved when Javon hit Gemma in the head with the pistol? After this, Gemma fired the gun two more times while being shaken by Javon. There's the sense that Gemma was just trying to explain these two shots in some way. After the gun had been fired three times, Javon simply gave up on life. His intent was now for both of them to die. Somehow, Gemma managed to get the upper hand and once again pulled the trigger. This brings a conclusion 
to Javan's life. In addition to all the questions that I mentioned, there's another major problem with this story. Javan was shot four times. He was hit in his shoulder, his jaw, in the back of his head, and in his chin. Both the shot to the back of the head and the one to his chin were lethal. Gemma made it sound as though the first shot hit him in the shoulder and the last shot struck him in the back of the head. This is difficult to believe. The shot underneath his chin would have killed him. What's more, the shot to his jaw rendered him unable to speak, yet Gemma claimed that he was talking about how they would die together. In addition to the inculpatory factors connected to the shooting, Gemma's actions afterward were problematic. She arranged for Javon's body to be buried. Moving to the exculpatory factors, witnesses testified that Javon had physically and verbally mistreated Gemma for years. It appears as though Javon was high on methamphetamine when he was killed. There was a restraining order in place against Javon. He was not allowed to be anywhere near Gemma. Gemma called 911. She disconnected the call right away, but at least she considered an option that did not involve failing to report the crime. When considering all the evidence, do I think that Gemma was guilty? I think that Gemma was guilty of voluntary manslaughter. I don't think this was second-degree murder. Clearly, Javon was dangerous, and Gemma was trying to keep him away. By making his way into her residence, Javon was really taking a chance. As I mentioned, Gemma's defense was that she had battered woman syndrome, otherwise known as BWS. This is often conceptualized as a subcategory of post-traumatic stress disorder, which is known as PTSD. Some researchers argue that this conceptualization does not fully capture BWS because the trauma is ongoing. It is not post-trauma, it is current trauma. BWS features six symptoms, re-experiencing a battering as if it were reoccurring, even when it's not reoccurring, Attempts to avoid the emotional impact of battering, like avoiding people and activities. Hypervigilance, disrupted personal relationships, somatic concerns, and difficulties with intimacy. Proponents of using defense strategies based on BWS always seem to run into the same problem. What exactly do they want to change? It seems like they are seeking to add an extra level of permissible violence to the standard self-defense definition. Like they want to give a woman with BWS the ability to overreact based on having been mistreated. This goes against the traditional understanding of self-defense. For many years, it has been conceptualized as something which is confined to when a person is under imminent threat. Only the force necessary to end the threat is permitted. The BWS defense is looking to expand the power of the person with the syndrome. My problem with the idea of BWS as a defense in the case of Gemma Donahue is that it does not explain her efforts to conceal the body or her disjointed story about how the shooting happened. If she had not behaved suspiciously, I think she could have made a pretty good argument for self-defense. I think that BWS can be used as a defense in certain situations, but deception is not something that it can be used to explain. Moving to my last question, what do I think happened in this case? This is just a theory, my opinion. I think that Javon mistreated Gemma. She was trapped in a cycle of violence with him. She knew that she needed to get away from him. However, she also believed 
that she loved him. She explained his bad behavior by suggesting that Javon truly loved her, but he could only express his love through violence. There is no type of love that is expressed through violence. Gemma was lying to herself. This is what she needed to believe. She also became fixated on the good memories she had with Javon. She suggested that because the marriage was so terrible, the good memories stood out even more. Again, there is the sense that she was working hard to convince herself that the relationship had some good in it. She was holding on to hope. On the day of the shooting, Javon came over uninvited. He somehow found his way into the house. Gemma simply had enough of his bad behavior. She shot him in the back of the head, killing him. When his body collapsed to the ground, she shot him in the shoulder and the jaw. She then put the gun under his chin and fired one more time to make sure that he was dead. Gemma was not sure what to do. She called 911 before quickly disconnecting. She was worried that the circumstances of the shooting looked a lot like a murder. Her concern was justified. She did not have a good explanation for firing the gun four times. Therefore, she conspired with her mother and a friend to dispose of the body. Any legitimate arguments that she could have made for self-defense were washed away by her deception. Now moving to my final thoughts. Javon mistreated Gemma for several years. He threatened and coerced her in order to achieve control. He was largely successful in this endeavor and seemed to maintain an incredible amount of power over Gemma. Javon once told Gemma that the only way they would be apart is if he killed her. The problem for Javon is that he forgot about one other way they could be separated. Gemma exposed this logical error to him, but of course by that point, it was too late. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.